Hello, this is Malia Warner. Welcome to Power Principles, the podcast. Today is episode 33, Resetting Screen Time for the School Year. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our first episode in the fall series. I hope you've enjoyed listening to chapters of Lies of the Magpie over the summer. It's getting intense. People are asking me if I'm going to have that baby before the end of the book. I can't tell you that. Spoiler! It's so funny. People who didn't know me back then wonder which of my children I'm writing about. They ask, what happened? Did you make it to Tucson? And the funniest thing to me are family members who were too young to remember the details about that birth. They can't remember if little baby sibling was born in the car. And so they ask me for details and I say, wait for the end of the book. And they say, no, tell me now. And I say, are you sure? Do you really want to know right now? And they say, yes, tell me. And I say, okay, spoiler alert, I die. And this is the best part. They really have to think about that for a minute. It's strange to write a book where I am the author and the main character. It's really weird. So I have to have a little fun with it. Today, we are resuming Power Principles, and I will continue to podcast chapters of Lies of the Magpie. The Power Principles will be the numbered episodes, and Lies of the Magpie chapters will be bonus content. The chapters will still be available on your podcast app and on my website, wherever you listen to them. And I am excited to get back to Power Principles. In preparing for these podcasts, I have to say, I have been having brainstorms. So many good topics, so many life guiding principles that I want to teach them all today. I want to give them to you all right now. But patience, Iago, one at a time, line upon line, all good things to those who wait. So today we're doing one topic. Today we are talking about rebooting family screen time for the new year. And the power principle here is how to do hard things or how to do things we don't really want to do. Why this topic? Why are we talking about resetting family screen time now? Well, here at the Warner House, we have been having some issues. Maybe we're the only ones who have issues, but I kind of think I'm not alone. Truthfully, I had an entirely different topic planned for this first episode back. But we've been having this issue at our house, and I went back and listened to episodes 19 and 20, which were the last episodes right before we started into the summer series. So that was Why Not to Limit Summer Screen Time and Screen Time, Set It and Forget It. And those have been the most downloaded episodes even surpassing the imbalance episode and what do I want episode, which have been really popular. So I'm following a gut instinct here and thinking maybe we're not the only ones with this problem. Is anyone else out there experiencing this? Your kids are having a hard time adjusting from summer screen time to school screen time. This is how it's looking at my house. The kids come home from school and go straight to the computers. And they want to be constantly on screens after school, like the minute they run in the door. Now, my older two, I'll give them credit. They are pretty good about getting their homework done. My youngest, my Z-man, 
got used to having three hours each day during the summer to do his Minecraft stories. And now he is absolutely panicked that he's not going to have enough time to finish his Minecraft stuff. And I mean, he is really anxious about it. He is seriously worried that the world of Minecraft is going to explode or disappear if he's not there. And this is what's happening for me. I will call him to come to a job and he doesn't come and doesn't come. I'll remind him about piano practice. I will remind him about piano practice and he will head towards the piano, then disappear right back to the computer room. I'm sure nobody else has that issue, right? Or I say it's time for dinner and he doesn't come and doesn't come. And in my house, it's understood that when you are asked to do something, you do it right now. And when it's dinner time, you come right now. Computers, video games do not take priority over chores or dinner or homework or they get unplugged. But he is really pushing the boundaries. So what is the solution? I could get all militant and unplug the electronics or throw the technology out the window, which I have done both of those before. And because I have done that before, I know it ends up creating resentment towards me and really only succeeds in fostering a greater desire for screens. I really try to find ways to relate to my children on the basis of mutual respect. I try to respect their desires, their inclination, their need to find a channel for decompressing after six to seven hours of school. I understand, I want that for me too. So today I wanna to talk about what I think is a far more effective way to resolve the screen use issues without resorting to becoming screen Nazi mom. But first, really quickly before we get into that, how did your screen time for the summer go? How did it go focusing on an abundance mindset of screen time versus a limited mindset of screen time? I wanna do a quick review. I wanna have a conversation, an evaluation of how our summer screen time went. And I would love to hear what you did, what worked well, what didn't you like, what did you like, what are you going to be sure to do next summer? Send me an email, I love to hear your ideas. So my summer goal was to not limit screen time, but to engender personal accountability, to set clear boundaries, not limits, boundaries so that the kids could self-regulate their time with screens and that I didn't have to police it all summer. And how did it work? We had a little end of the summer family evaluation and I want to share some of the comments that came up when I asked my kids, how did you like the summer screen time? How did it work for you having no screens in the morning and having a designated screen time from one to four in the afternoon? Did you like that? Did you think it worked? Would you like to do it next year? And my ninth grader said he actually really liked that when he woke up in the morning, he wasn't trying to decide whether to get on his phone or get on the computer or not. He liked that he already knew what he was going to do and that he didn't have to have that battle with his brain telling him that he needed to turn on a game, that he needed to watch a YouTube video. And I could tell as he spoke that it was liberating for him. He experienced greater personal freedom because of the boundaries. My youngest guy, he said something really profound when I asked him how the summer went and what he liked. He said this, it was fine. So there you go, profound words to live by. My high schooler commented that it really helped to have the decision made in advance, to have the decision already made before waking up in the morning. 
They did all agree that they felt like they had plenty of screen time, which they did. I mean, one to four o'clock every day, three hours. It sounds insane. It sounds like a crazy amount of screen time. But actually, I feel like either we were on screens less this summer or we were more productive in our time outside of screen use because it feels like we got more productive things done, yet we also felt like we had plenty of time for relaxing with screens, if screens are relaxing. And for me, what did I think? I really liked it. It worked for us. I did much less policing. For one thing, I had given myself to allow them screen time, and so I didn't feel guilty about should I be going downstairs and getting them off the screens, should I be regulating that. Because it wasn't a mental battle I was fighting all day long, I felt much more free to have time with my kids, and then while they did their screens, I was able to work on Lies of the Magpie and do some things that I wanted to do for me. Overall, we felt like it worked so well for summer. So why isn't it working now? Come on, people. I just got it all figured out and got the system flowing. So why do I have to redo it again? This is the nature of mothering work, isn't it? It is constant readjustment. It is doing things one day and redoing them the next day. It reminds me of trying to keep kids in clothes that fit them, especially when they're babies and toddlers and they grow out of their clothes so quickly. They go from that three-month size to the six-month to the nine-month to the one-year to the 18th-month to the two-years, and it feels like you've just gotten them into the right size of clothes and then you go to get them dressed the next day and it doesn't fit. And then they grow a little older and you have all of the spring and summer clothes that fit them. And then the fall comes and the cold weather. And so you put the summer clothes away and you get out the winter clothes and the winter clothes from last year don't fit. So you've got to go back to the store or back to the DI and you're finding creative ways in your budget to get your family outfitted again. You turn the pants into capris, you're letting out hems, you're passing down clothes from the older to the younger ones or at least from the bigger ones to the smaller ones. It's constant recalibration. Because our children grow, so our mothering skills need to grow with them. And that is why the system that worked so well for us during the summer has completely disintegrated and dissolved into me hearing constantly after school, how much time will I have after school to play Minecraft? How much time will I have after homework? How much time will I have if I watch the soccer game? Oh no, it's Cub Scouts tonight? How long will it last? Will I have time after Cub Scouts to finish my game? I'm recognizing in my Z-Man our natural human tendency to fear lack and limitation. We all have a brain filter that makes us afraid that we don't have enough, that we don't have enough time, we don't have enough resources, there isn't enough to go around, and I can see that in my son. So as a mother, how can I address that? How can I help my children through that adjustment process? How can I help influence their mindset to change that brain filter? The very first podcast that I published is all about the limitation brain filter. It's a great episode. I recommend going back and listening to it. 
It's not even a numbered episode. I was practicing. I was warming up and it's a bonus episode. It's called Abundance at Christmas and it's about changing the lack and limitation brain filter. It's about changing minds. So with my children, I could go all discipline and lecture mode. You play too much Minecraft. You never listen to me about doing your chores. You haven't practiced the piano. I hate this game. I'm going to unplug. I'm going to throw out all these computers. Or I could go into influencer mode where I help my kids learn how to reset their brain filter. And one of the best ways I know to change minds and attitudes is by having a change of perspective. And this is how we're going to do it. We are going to have a screen break. We are going to have a screen fast for one week, Sunday through Saturday, we are doing zero screens. Now there will be exceptions such as homework that must be done on the computer, email, text messages, but we are going to break for one week from games, television, YouTube, social media, Minecraft, and that means no Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride for me, though I have an inkling that one exception will also stretch to include a televised football game. But otherwise, screen break. Does it sound crazy? Stay with me. I promise it will make so much sense. Think about what is happening. Over the summer, we became accustomed to our summer schedule. They're called the dog days of summer for a reason. Do you know what dogs do all day? Nothing. They lounge around. My dog sleeps about 18 out of the 24 hours of a day. We got used to our summer leisure. We had time to do chores and get practicing done and still had plenty of time for play and three hours of screen time. It's tough to readjust. I can see this in Z-Man because when I remind him about playing the piano, he says things like, I need motivation. I understand. Even I got used to moseying along during the summer, being able to move slower, to take my time. I got accustomed to a slower pace and not having to be anywhere at a certain time. Now we're all trying to adjust to a more rigorous schedule and we're trying to readjust our brains, our bodies, and our attitudes to a different pace. It is hard, but it's not impossible. I have actually learned, quite by accident, a magic trick to make hard things easier. So here's a little power principle, and it is little, but it is powerful. When something feels hard, What you need is to do something harder for a while. Then when you come back, the original hard thing feels easy. Hard is relative, isn't it? It's all perspective. Here are a couple of examples. A while ago, my kids hit a phase and they were struggling to do dishes. They were constantly complaining, resisting, procrastinating. And when they actually did start doing the dishes, they spent the whole time arguing and fighting with each other. And all they had to do was load the dishwasher and wipe off the table, which drives me crazy because I grew up with 10 people eating every meal. And the only automatic dishwasher we had was that after a meal, we automatically cleaned up the dishes, then walked to school in the snow uphill both ways. Thank you for asking. So what happened? Well, suddenly, inexplicably, our dishwasher was quote unquote broken. And they had to wash dishes the old-fashioned way, with dish soap, a sponge, and a sink full of water. Why is the dishwasher broken, Mom? they asked. 
I don't know, it's just not cleaning the dishes very well, I'd say. I need to research how to fix it or call someone to take a look at it. And days would go by and they took turns hand washing all the dishes, even the pans. Then about a week later, the dishwasher got fixed. And they were so happy to have a dishwasher back that they didn't complain about loading it. Another example, and this is really on my mind because it was in the chapter of Lies of Magpie that I recorded last week. This is when I really learned for myself the do something harder makes things easier principle. When we brought home our third baby, my husband and I were so off kilter. We could not do three kids. We were outnumbered, outsmarted, and it felt like we just couldn't get our brains and our habits to wrap around three children. And we went on for months like this and just could not get it together. And then my sister went on a trip to Hawaii and I watched her three kids in addition to my own. So for one week, I became mother to six children. And I was really enthusiastic at first. I was all gung-ho that we were going to do outings to the park and to the library. And I remember walking through the library and trying to keep track of everyone. And finally, I just said, we have to leave. And I'm just trying to scoop them up. And we leave the library and I have six children waddling behind me in a line and people are staring at me and I feel like a mama duck. And the people are whispering, are they all hers? And some of them are bold enough to say, are those all yours? And I wanted to answer, No, I liked the few we had so well that I picked up a couple extra when I went to Walmart the other day shopping for a lint roller. I was certainly glad that after a week, my sister did decide to come back. She knocked on my door. We sorted out the kids. We couldn't really remember which were hers and which were mine. And we finally just said, okay, I'll take three and you take three and we'll call it even. And now don't go judging my sister for being cruel or mean for leaving me with her three children because I have done it to her. She has watched my children plenty of times. And here's the miracle. The moment she left, snap. We were fine. My husband and I were absolutely fine. Suddenly, we could do three kids. No problem. Something about having the extra kids reset our parenting clocks. Because we had done something harder for a while, going back to our reality, we were fine. If you're still thinking that going screen-free for a week is a harebrained idea, Let me reassure you, we have gone screen-free before, and it has worked well for us, which is why I feel pretty confident about recommending it to you on a podcast. I can assure you that no child or adult has ever died from not doing screens for one week. The first time we ever went screen-free was like 11 years ago. I mean, it was back before the smartphone. We had moved to Utah and we had signed up for an introductory promotion of cable television, which was kind of a novelty for us. And the kids were ecstatic. They could watch Cartoon Network and all of the terrible Disney Channel sitcoms. And then after a year, the promotion ended and the cable bill skyrocketed. So I call customer service feeling confident that they're going to offer me some kind of extension on this special. Oh no. They did not budge, and I got so angry with the customer service representative that I unplugged our cable box, and I drove it to the cable company and left it on their counter in person. I warned you before that I have unplugged and thrown out technology. 
Now, not too long before this screen rage episode, I had heard another mother talking about going screen free with her family and how good it was for them and what it did for them. And in the back of my mind, I had kind of wanted to try it. So this little cable company episode was a good excuse to give it a try. We decided as a family to go for it. No television, no computer games, no video games. It was June, so summer was just beginning, and we wanted to do it for a month. And guess who it was hardest on? Me and my husband. Grammatically, I should say my husband and I, but I'm doing that in order of who it was the hardest for. Hardest for me, and then probably hardest on my husband, and then on the kids. They went outside and played with friends for the summer while he and I shook our way through Seinfeld withdrawals. We all twitched for a week, and then the second week we twitched less. And then the third week we were fine, and by the fourth week didn't miss screens at all. And then when we did reintroduce screens, we just didn't want them as much. Since then, we've had four other screen breaks, one week each. We haven't done a full month screen break since. These screen breaks have happened because I've had four children who have completed the sixth grade. And in our school in sixth grade, they do the NOVA program where a police officer comes in and teaches not only drug and alcohol prevention, but also life skills, proactive decision-making, peer influence, and media use. And the police officer challenges the students to go screen-free for a week and to invite their families to go along with them. And we've had some years where the whole family has done it again and some years where just part of the family was on board. But each time we've done it, either as a whole family or part of a family, I've noticed a real mind change, a real perspective shift. It's been a little while since we've had a sixth grader. And that is why I believe we are ready for it again. To finish up, one last important thing. If you think that you're going to try this with your family, note that presentation is essential. Right now, as I'm recording this podcast, my family knows nothing about this. I'm going to run it past my husband tonight, and then we'll present it in our family discussion on Sunday. I am not going to introduce it as discipline or as punishment. Rather, I'm going to present it as a family challenge. We are embarking on a family adventure. Can we take on this challenge? Can we do this together? And right now, I'm going to predict what will happen. I do think everyone will be on board. That would be ironic if they launch a mutiny and next week I have to record this podcast from whatever island I've been banished to. So first, here's to hoping everyone gets on board with this. Then I predict that this will happen. That individually and together, we are going to rediscover things that we like to do but forgot about. I predict that little Z-Man will pull out his Lego Minecraft sets. He's still going to find a way to get Minecraft in. He'll also pull out his art kits. By the end of the week, his walls will be covered with hand-drawn pictures. I predict the Mario chess set will come out, that we'll spend more time outside, and it's a beautiful time of year to be outdoors. I predict the bikes will be ridden more. And I predict, and I'm hopeful about this, that we will get back to our evening New Testament study that we got out of habit doing over the summer. Then, next week, when we break our screen fast, after having a week with zero computer time, having one hour of computer time will seem like a lot. 
It's all relative. It's all perspective. So moms, parents, I hope this empowers you in your job as coach, trainer, influencer. We don't always have to be militant disciplinarians. Our job is to help train or retrain habits. Every now and then we have to reset the breaker box or the microwave clock. We need to reboot the computer. Screens have addictive qualities. The more we're on them, the more we feel we have to be on them. And sometimes we just need to reset our brains. We need to remind our brains and bodies that there is awesome life happening outside of screens. Three months ago, before summer began, here at the Warner household, we set our screen time so we could forget it. Now, we need to reset our systems again. I hope this little resetting tutorial is helpful for you. I hope it will be helpful for us as well. And next week, if I'm not podcasting from a deserted island off the coast of southern Argentina, I will let you know how it went. Until then, this is Malia Warner. Thank you for listening. Have a fantastic week. Stay well, my friends.